Welcome to the Hail to the District podcast with your host, Rajan Nanavati. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to the Hail to the District podcast. After yet another unnecessarily long hiatus, family obligations and life in general tend to do that to people. But uh, Pat and I have finally reconvened in time to do our annual preseason preview of whatever the hell you call the Washington football program, D.C. area NFL team. Um, I think that's the most way to call them. Right. Um, so here we are, Pat. You ready to do this? Yeah, let's dive in. I'm excited. This is the first of what probably will be a lot of podcasts in the next uh, five months. I hope so. How long? How long till February? I don't want to talk so about February, man. I'm, I'm still enjoying when it's like 100 degrees outside. I don't want to talk. Yeah, about but February. when we win the Super Bowl in early February, <laughs> we'll still you know, be podcasting. We don't deserve, after all this Snyder shit going on, we don't deserve to be talking about the Super Bowl. We don't deserve to win the Super Bowl. Like, we just don't, as an organization. We haven't even started talking about our, our preview, and you're already saying we don't deserve it. No. You know what? As fans, we do deserve it. Because, hell with Snyder, we deserve good things, too. Really also, deserve. I've watched about 100 Nats games. I deserve it. You need. I deserve. I deserve a hundred Super Bowls. <laughs> you need some catharsis. I will absolutely grant you that. God, God, you are doing the Lord's work and watching sucks. the Nationals because, yeah, <laughs> as you tweet very frequently from our account, and God bless you for it. We are this organization that they have sort of taken the mantle of the worst team in Washington, which is saying something. That is Don't actually survive. saying something. So I think we deserve a Super Bowl. Um, we'll get to our Super Bowl prognostications pretty shortly, but and if you're listening uh, to this podcast, put all your 401k fidelity account, Schwab, whatever you, whatever you want, Super Bowl odds, Mandos, book it. <laughs> <laughs> Big disclaimer at the bottom of all of this. <laughs> All right. So as we've done in the years past, uh, this is going to be a two-part series with today's episode being part one, uh, covering the defense, which obviously means part two will cover the offense. Uh, that conversation is going to be one hell of a conversation because uh, I got a lot to say. Um, you should be surprised that anyone has been following this team. Uh, but for now, let's talk about the defense. We'll start with the outside in, uh, kicking things off with the secondary um, so we'll kind of just lump them all together. The safety group, you know them pretty well. No specific changes from last year, I don't think. So uh, Cam Curl, Bobby McCain starters, uh, Kendall Fuller, and William Jackson are the starters. And then at the depth, you've got – we'll kind of start talking about the depth because that's where the real conversation happens. In fact, let's just go ahead and jump in from there, right? So uh, my stance for longtime listeners on Bobby McCain is well-documented. I don't like him. I just don't. All right. I would be very happy if we punted him to Neptune or whatever the furthest official planet is left in the solar system right now. He was ranked 26th among all safeties uh, by pro football focus, which is about dead average considering there's 64 starting safeties in the league. So whatever. I just, for whatever reason, I don't like him mostly because I just think he's one of those guys. He, he gives me diet Laurent Landry vibes in the sense that he yaps and runs his mouth after he just got beat for like a big play. And he's standing there with his dick in his hands. Like after, you know, like after something terrible happens and then he's like woofing about something. And I'm like, just, why don't you shut up and play and like actually do your job. But God forbid uh, Cam Curl. I feel the exact opposite about he's a stud. And I think, I think it was Logan Thomas who said it at some point last yeah. year. Somebody where it was like, there's no pro. 
top five safety in the NFL. And I'm like, you are right. You are correct, sir. You may be slightly lofty, but I agree with where your head is at. I'll stop talking there. Yeah, I don't understand why you hate Bobby McCain so much. Like, I, I don't think he's going to set the world on fire and become sort of, sort of all pro or even a pro bowler. But, like, our safety position has been so bad for so long. We finally have someone who's at least mediocre. And you still hate him. Uh, you know, I, I, we've said this since 2020. It's not like he's Bakari like, Rambo. I have a soft spot for Bakari Rambo. I, I, he's I, the I, worst safety of all time. I can't give up. But no, he's no Reed Dowdy. Um, so, I mean, who is? Who is? Uh, no, I have a soft spot for Bakari Actually, Rambo. Actually, Troy Apke might be Reed Dowdy, so they could be synonymous. That's true. Um, uh, my, I, so, I like, I like McCain, for the record. I don't think he is... Uh, you know, gonna set the world on fire, become some super player. But, uh, and I'm this could be me reading into too many things and me being excited about the fact that football's back and I'm just consuming Ben Standings articles at unhealthy rates. Uh, but I think there's so I'm intrigued by safety position. We kind of alluded to this last year, but I think that the safety position is in a good place overall from a roster perspective. Um, it's not as deep as you probably want it, but it's also not, uh, it's not like, like if, if, if Fuller Jackson get hurt, we're we're fucked. fucked. Yep. Yeah. Uh, but if Curl and McCain goes down, we have some kind of buffer, at least let's rephrase that. We at least have potential to have some buffer there. No, I think you're Uh, right. I think we have a buffer. I actually do. Like, Like, let's, let's take your exact scenario. Let's say God forbid, but like, uh, McCain, not God forbid McCain goes down, but if McCain goes down, God forbid Cam Crow goes Butler, down. You have Reeves. Yeah. You have Darius Butler. You have Forrest. Uh, Darius Derek Forrest. Now I'm getting names. Yeah, Derek Forrest, Percy Butler, and Jeremy Reeves. And as I was saying, really, I love, love me some Jeremy Reeves. The thing, the thing that that standing had specifically standings. I read it uh, yesterday, today, whatever. And I've heard Ron allude to it. I've heard the players allude to it. McCain is very communicative. Uh, and our secondary has a really bad history of that, uh, starting with uh, the guy who always wanted to wear Taylor's number, old Landon Collins. That dude didn't just communicate with anybody on the field. Um, and like I liked Landon Collins, especially when we moved him up to that Buffalo nickel slash hybrid linebacker role. Like, he fit, right? But if we have – McCain's going to be a free safety. He's going to be roaming. And so if there's anyone that's communicating, it's got to be him because he'll be able to see things way faster than, say, a linebacker can, right? Um, from what I've read, McCain is very loud and talks a lot and wants people on the same page. That is a net positive to me. Now, granted, that is a very fluff piece for camp. Like, every year you, you hear these things, oh, they're communicating great, yada, yada, yada. But I do think there's something to be said about the fact that McCain, Curl, Jackson, Fuller, St. Juice to an extent, um, kind of, because St. Juice only played like six or seven games last year. Yeah. But let's just say McCain, Curl, Fuller, and Jackson have all been together now for a year in the same system. Chemistry I and cohesion. Is, I, I, yeah, I, think I don't think you huge. can overlook that. Yep, I agree. I was going to say, especially the first half of the season, I don't know where your communication was, because they were routinely getting roasted with like guys. Just and it's when, it's when Collins was playing safety. True. Uh, but they were just con- continuously looking at each other, like what the hell happened with nobody within 20 yards of a receiver, you know, bombing them like Pearl Harbor. But you're all right. There was a lot of like Cam Curl, uh, excuse me, uh, Landon Collins 
in the backfield for no, or, you know, 20, 30 yards back up past the line of scrimmage for no good reason. And a lot of things change in the second half, i.e. when Landon Collins started playing closer to the line of scrimmage. Um, yeah. I am very excited about this Percy Butler guy. They are very, we, we talked about this on our, our post-draft podcast. They continue to be optimistic. He's still yeah. a little raw, runs really fast, maybe not necessarily the right direction, but they're at the same time. One, as long as he's, he's running. Exactly. He's going to be a team's guy probably early on, but also there's something to work with a lot more. And, and Forrest, I mean, uh, John Kime has talked about this a lot. Ben Stanley. Forrest is popping in all the, he's popping in all the reports. There are flashes, right? And yeah, so like, name he's, popping up. you know, he's, he's not going to be an all pro right off the bat, right? Like he's not making anyone, you know, think he's a, is he the, I mean, is he the dude from Cincinnati. He's the he dude is? from Cincinnati who was like the special teams ace last special year. Special teams ace. Yeah. Yep. And he's much more than that. So uh, shout out to player development. I That's great. Um, but I, I I think the safety position is probably as deep as it's been in quite some time. Like, think about this. We don't have to worry about, like, if DeShazer Everett is going to have to play an extended amount of playing time. God forbid Troy Apke or anybody like that, right? Like, I'm not even sure Apke's a safety anymore. Is he's he not. A he's a corner. But, like, at some point in time, he was a guy and you're – you know, terrified as all get out that he would have to actually get extended playing time. Uh, you, you and I, you and I talked about this at length last year. I'm just going to bring it back up because I'm going to reiterate it. Do it. The fact that Jeremy Reeves is third string in that scenario is not a bad thing. I think Reeves could be on a lot of rosters. Uh, he could play big time minutes. I think for for you know some teams, and he's more than one injury away for us, and I think that's a good thing. That's not a bad problem to have. I think he's a second string free safety. I think I honestly believe that if good, if, like that's my point. It's like it's a good thing. Yeah, no, and I, I, I almost at some level would say it's one A, one B. It's probably not like Bobby McCain is probably generally viewed as the better safety, but like it's not that far off. I mean, remember when we had our run in the second half of the twenty twenty season? He was one of the best players on our defense. I still don't forget yeah. that. Uh, was it PFF? They had him like top two, three safety in the league. And I, I, I still think to a certain extent, the coaching staff, I know they know more football. They forgot more football than I'll ever know. I still feel like in a lot of cases, they outthought themselves by, by not making him the starter or they must've saw something. I know he was smaller in, in size and injury were a concern, but if he's not injured, then why is it a concern? But I do believe in him, though, because they didn't sign Eric Reed, and they said, you earn this, go play, and he balled out. Still uh, one of cooler Rivera moments, I think. Moving into the cornerback spot, um, so we started off on this a little bit. There's obviously uh, there's obviously Kendall Fuller, there's obviously William Jackson, there's obviously Brent, Brandon St. Just. There ain't a lot after that. It's pretty ugly. It's, it's actually depth is probably the biggest concern, I would say, the depth of this position well, there's a lot of positions that are kind of thin on the team, but after those three, you've got Danny Johnson, you've got Corn Elder, who was a Miami guy, late round pick by the guest shocking, shocking uh, Ron Rivera previous regime in Carolina. You have Christian Holmes, who's a seventh round pick from this year's draft. I believe he was our very, very last draft pick, and that's it. So you just said it. If if Fuller, Jackson, or St. Juice miss any amount of time, uh, it's getting really bad yeah, really trouble. fast. Yeah, I, I almost wonder if. If Fuller or Jackson went down early, if we wouldn't get aggressive and try to trade for somebody um, or like immediately start shopping <laughs> in the free agency market. Uh, Fuller was quietly, I mean, Fuller was not quietly, 
by every ranking possible, Fuller was one of the best corners in the league last year. And uh, he's continued in that from everybody you listen to. He's been arguably the MVP he's, of this camp. Yeah, when he's on the outside, he's great. The, the things I've read about him that are, to me at least, like, okay, this guy's a stud, is McLaurin apparently, McLaurin apparently toasts everybody, but him and Fuller apparently go at it, and Fuller gets the best of him time to time. Um, and he, I wouldn't say he struggles with Fuller, but like the point is, is you got iron sharp, sharpening iron at that point. You got two dudes going head to head. And that is awesome. Cause Fuller's going to get, I mean, you know, who knows if they'll travel, but like he's going to get every team's best receiver. Cause he's going to be on the outside. If you look at dub Jackson the third, he got better as the year went on. He, he says he's more comfortable now. I mean, the, the truth of the matter is he's a he's a press man-to-man corner that we put in his in own zone. Uh, which, you know, hey, that's another conversation for another day, but it took him a little while. Um, well, I'm getting to that conversation about our scheme, so don't worry about it, but yeah. Yeah. Um, it took him a little while, but like he seemed to get better and better. He has a whole year under his belt now. He has a whole offseason under his belt now. Um, St. Juice got a lot of pub early in camp for being versatile. Um, and you know, when he was in the field last year, he was good. But the question is, is can he stay on the field? He's he so ton, he had a ton of injury problems in college. In fact, he medically retired at one point. Yep. Uh, and last year he only played in like, I don't know, five, six, seven games. Um, and from there you're kind of screwed. Like I know Corn Elders had a, had a few picks in, in uh, like OTAs and, and stuff, but like he's tiny. None, none of the guys behind him. You you could pull ninety percent of Redskin fans and no one would, or shit uh, Washington Actually, fans uh, and no one would know who our corners were outside of those three. No, I had to go back and revisit the depth chart because I remember I looked Holmes, at the I looked at the depth chart before we got on this call. I, like, I, don't I completely that. forgot about Corn Elder. <laughs> so um, great name though, terrific name. I do remember him when he was in Miami, just because I think he's somewhat overlapped when like he would play when. Virginia Tech would play Miami when they both programs were semi relevant. Um, not that old. He's not that old. I know. <laughs> Let's not talk about college football programs. Um, so you mentioned about the travel part. One thing that's interesting, and I kind of haven't forgot about this. If you remember when Fuller was here for his first stint, like when we drafted him, but and then traded him away for Alex Smith, he was one of the best slot corners in the NFL, right? No. I mean, not what if he might have been the single best lock corner in the league. And I wonder if there is a world, and I was thinking about this, where they move him inside because so many NFL teams, I was just going back and doing my fantasy football research and stuff like that. And I just watched like a ton of receivers, just frankly, just watching stuff from last year. And the versatility you're starting to see, it's not versatility, I wouldn't call it, but like the schematics where you're seeing NFL offenses move around their top receiver and put them in the slot, particularly to create matchup problems, i.e. against slot corners. Where I'm going with this is if you start putting St. Just as on the outside on one and Jackson as the outside on another, I could see a three cornerback lineup being incorporating Fuller at the, at the slot position. And, you know, if they go with their patented three, two, five or four, two, five look or whatever, but point being, the package where Fuller is the slot, St. Juice and, and, and Jackson are the outside corners could be a very potent defensive matchup or defensive lineup. 
Yeah, I mean, we we talked about moving Fuller to safety last year because we were like, we need to. I've always, stuff. Like, the I've point, always hated the, point, the moving corner to safety argument. It, the, it didn't... the point's more to be like the dude can just play anywhere. Yeah, uh, like he's that good. He'll figure it out. Um, the Christian, uh, what's his name? Christian Holmes. Christian Holmes. Holmes. Yep, super he's athletic, Oklahoma, just raw. Oklahoma State, isn't that yep. what he is? Um, He's a. I looked up his. I I, I didn't know. I, to be totally honest, before this, I was like, "Who the f is Christian Holmes?" Uh, he's a big dude. He's like six one. I mean, he's lanky, six one, like two hundred pounds maybe. Uh, but for a corner, that I mean, he's got. He's probably got length thrown there too. I mean, that's you. If that's a flyer you take in the seventh round. We talked about this in our pre on our post draft podcast. It's for the second year in a row. Athletics, athletic specimens. Like that's just what this regime wants. They're getting dudes who are just off the chart athletic guys, right? They could be raw as all get out, right? They're raw sashimi or whatever you want to say, right? But they are just they're just physical tools to work with. Like Derek Forrest was a dude. Butler was a four three five guy, right? I mean Sam Cosby was an off the charts measurables guy last year and i'm thinking i'm missing a whole bunch of others right it's like yeah. that's just what the profile is and like i mean if you're gonna swing swing big and that seems to be what they're doing yeah is uh i'm looking at his uh was it raz right now relative athletic score yeah he a uh, lot of green <laughs> so a lot of green i remember like that was a big thing about him they're like you know playing time and stuff like that and, and actual playing production is is what it is but like yeah the athletic tools um i'm going to circle back to one of the things you touched on earlier this is my hot take especially about this all the mean and unsavory things i've said about him and um and, and stuff like that uh i think one of the best news things that could come out of this training camp maybe the second best news item that could come out of the defense um in terms of personal acquisition would be i want landon collins back on the team uh, and, specific, oh. and I specifically want him to come back as the Buffalo nickel, because as you talked about, well, I think they wouldn't sign. I mean, he, he can't play safety. Well, you know, they wouldn't sign him as a safety. It's not as a safety. Let's just be candid about that. It's not as a safety. It's to be the Buffalo nickel linebacker slash safety or slash in the box safety, money backer safety, whatever you want to call it. He's effectively the third linebacker in a four, two, five scheme, right? He's the number five in the four, two, five scheme that they run. 95% of the time or something like that. Right. I wouldn't, I think we're going to see a lot of five two, four. I think we are, but I think that's going to be, more, I still think it's going to be a little less. They seem, and based off if, when we're going to get to the linebacker position in a second, but based off of the way they are or are not talking about the, or addressing the linebacker position, I think it's, it's going to be much more of the same thing where they're going to play. And you see a lot of NFL teams kind of doing this where they're using the money backer or what, Alabama likes to call the star position or other teams call it the Viper position in college or the Rover or whatever, but just using that type of extra DB in the box. I, I honestly believe that that's one where the entire NFL is going just because the passing into Washington among them point being uh, Landon Collins. If you want to talk about PFF number eight against the run across all defensive backs last year, um, couldn't do yeah, shit in the past was one of the worst coverage safeties in the NFL, maybe among the very, very worst um, but complete opposite. And I think, you know, I mean, he was always an in-box safety and he just needed to accept the fact that he's a linebacker yeah, and not, and not a safety, but. And frankly, linebackers know. are smaller than him in this day and age and the way we're going with football. So it's like, you might as well just understand, like you may think you're a safety, you're not a safety. Yeah. You know, I mean, I've actually been wondering if we're going to bring him back. Uh, he's still unsigned. So still I feel unsigned. like it is, 
I need to make this so much is, money. So is Eric Flowers, for the record. That's interesting. Yeah, that's what I said. Hmm. But his whole, I need to make X amount of money delusions are probably going to be watered down at this point, considering ain't nobody really signing him about to, to A, play safety, and B, play safety or play whatever position he wants at the salary he believes he is entitled to. So, and I do think he was another veteran presence. I think he was much more communicative or he was much more efficient or did a better job of just making the rest of the team around him better when he played as a Buffalo nickel versus as a safety position. You should be well, nowhere he near brought him, it brought him into the box. He didn't have to cover an entire center field. It allowed him to your point, play the run essentially. And he uh, made a ton of plays in that he's capacity. Incredible at it. Oh, he's incredible. at it. And, and the, any of those like quick screens, the receivers or toss plays that are kind of, you know, extended, um, that's where, like, he's not fast for a safety, but he is fast for a linebacker. Absolutely. Um, so he can get into that backfield quickly, and he's built like a goddamn freight train. He is. Um, so it played to his strengths. In fact, if you go and watch, like, there's a video that circulated on Twitter a few weeks ago about, like, top plays from last year made by defensive backs. He's in it, like, multiple times, and they're all plays where he's – flying into the backfield and just ex- just exploding a run. And I don't think the the reason why I'm I'm more hopeful to bring him back or I want him to bring I want to bring him back is because I have a fear that if they don't they're going to moonlight a bunch of guys at that position who have no business playing that position. Like like Kaliki? Like it's not even Kaliki Hudson. Like I'm afraid that they're going to try to put like there was an idea that they might try to put St. Just in that, in that position, like as an example, or, you know, Percy Butler, who's a rookie safety. There's legitimate talk that they were going to try him out there or Jeremy Reeves, who I still like, but maybe not in that capacity. It's kind of jamming the square peg in a round hole versus having a guy who is almost the archetype for that spot. And you're being like, yeah, we don't want him. Right. Uh, I think we'll use your Kaliki Hudson as a segue, I think, you know, he could be a candidate, but from everything you're reading, they just, they're not ready to kind of cross that bridge yet. And so, you know, he's a backup linebacker amongst a group of linebackers that are still garbage. Terrible. Terrible. I mean, Cole Holcomb's pretty good. Holcomb is great. So here's Holcomb is. Jamin Davis is the absolute stink though. I have wrestled with the Jamin Davis take for so long. I don't even know where I land on it anymore, but let's talk. Let's let's, they're basically the two starters we have. I don't want to talk about David Mayo. I don't want to talk about anybody else. Really the Nate Jerry signing. I think the Nate Jerry signing tells you everything you need to know about the fact that they don't believe that they have the guys that they need at linebacker right now. And the fact that Nate Jerry is a coverage linebacker. And that seems was supposed to be the one strength that Jamin Davis does have. I said this a thousand times. I'll say it a thousand more. You drafted to do it as one year starting experience in college. We knew he was raw. We knew he would take time to develop. We have this gross fixation in Washington where a guy has to be a stud from day one. Otherwise we automatically write him as a bust, write him off as a bust. People are already writing off Chase Young as a bust because, you know, he got injured after last year. So he's already, he's already a bum. There's plenty of people who are ready to call him that already. Plenty yeah, of they're idiots. They're yes. idiots. They're the usual mouth breathing group that I like to refer to. Uh, but at the same time, even in a second training camp, you can just see where they're like, 
there's not a lot to work with right now. Like there's just not a lot of glimpses. The glimpses of positive are, are fewer and far between. And it's really frustrating considering our linebacker position is garbage. And Holcomb, I'll just say this. The whole Holcomb and middle linebacker thing is very strange to me, considering there are countless reports last year, like when Holcomb had that interception return against the Cowboys for a touchdown and among a slew of other plays at the end of the year. They're like, why is Cole Holcomb playing so good? They're like, because David Mayo's on the field more and more, and he's the quarterback of the defense. He's the guy who's kind of putting people in the right spots. He's the one calling the being the play caller, if you will, on the defensive side, allowing Holcomb to be more instinctual, just kind of read, react, and go, and not having to kind of think about things too much. They repeatedly said that towards the end of the season. I have a firm belief that they tried to do everything they could to upgrade linebacker, just realize, A, they didn't have the money and B, they didn't have the interest from people who could fill the position. So now they're like, Oh, Holcomb should have been the middle linebacker all the time. And he's perfectly capable of putting everybody in position and playing well and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, that literally contradicts everything you said at the end of last year. I think they're playing Holcomb at middle linebacker because they don't have any other options. I don't understand the linebacker position. Our defense coordinator, what position did he play? Linebacker. Linebacker. Our head coach. Linebacker. Linebacker. The and greatest yet, defense like, in the history of the NFL. And yet we're doing absolutely nothing with that position. It's so frustrating. It's so – well, it's frustrating. It's also weird. I'm like, guys, like, you realize – I mean, I get it. They don't want to – they don't want egg on their face with Jamin this this fast. But, like, I kind of agree with you in the sense that I don't think they know what to do. So they're like, okay, well, Holcomb's good. Middle linebacker, boom. You know? And that pick against Dallas was awesome. I've forgotten about that play. That was that's back when I had hope. Uh, but the the scary part to me about the linebackers is the fact that Jamin Davis has been given every opportunity to take this position and roll with it. He's an athletic freak. He's a specimen, and yet Mayo is still getting reps with the first team. Yep, because he simply just knows like. He just knows where to be, what to do, and when. Like if you, we just need to somehow merge. Give Mayo, and I, or give give Mayo's brain to Jamin somehow, some way. And I keep looking at this. I've said this. I said this from the day we drafted uh, Jamin Davis. I said anybody can go back and listen. That linebacker is arguably one of the three hardest maybe the hardest position on defense in the, on, on the defensive side to transition from college to the NFL, given the complexity of defenses, the complexity of responsibility and stuff like that. There are countless linebackers who are drafted high in the NFL where they're still kind of acclimating themselves to the league and they haven't turned out to be perfect. Like Roquan Smith, who just, whose name popped up in the news, he didn't get good until year three or four. Like it's only within the last couple of years where he's great. The first two years, the jury was out on him. Both the linebackers that the Cardinals drafted, they're like, they're still trying to figure out what the hell they're going to do with those guys. Like, it's just this history where the defenses are so watered down and athlete centric in college that that jump to the NFL is so big. Combined with the fact that we drafted a dude from who has one year starting experience at Kentucky, like, there's going to be a curve. But the impatient part of us is in, in the immediate need at linebacker is kind of overshadowing all of that. And it's just, yeah. I'm hoping Hudson plays a little. I, I like. I don't really know what to think, but I think one of the reasons why our defense can be vanilla at times, uh, or not times, our defense can be vanilla a lot, 
is I think they rely so much on the D line because the linebackers just simply aren't good enough to blitz and get creative and, and give various schemes to teams. That's why it's like, I, d- I don't understand what Del Rio and Ron are doing. You know, you can make an argument that Del Rio is on the hot seat this year, but like Davis is just like, I, I, I've tried to take your stance with Davis and not call him a bust and he needs, and he needs time to develop and all this fun stuff. But like, David Mayo is getting rips over him, and David Mayo is not good. I think that's a function of the personnel and the coaching staff, that if you if you see that this guy needs time, I like David Mayo on the roster because I, he kind of – I believe in the old man wisdom and like and things like that and having the mentor. Have you ever seen him try to get get to an edge with a running back hitting a hole hard? Uh, it's not pretty. It's terrible. And I've said this – We, you and I have both said it does, this. It doesn't happen. It's not pretty because it doesn't happen. If – our defensive line, and it happened all the time last year. If our or it didn't happen all the time last year, I should say. If our defensive line doesn't collapse the run immediately, the running back is eight yards down the field. Because our yeah, linebackers are nowhere, sucks. they're nowhere to be found. They're nowhere plus, to be found. Plus, there's only two of them on the field. Even then, they're if they are plugging something, it's the wrong hole. It is egregiously the wrong hole. They're not there. And if so, if we don't blow up the run at the line of scrimmage, the running back might as well be, you know, fighting with the safeties. Because that's where we are at the moment. It's the fact that we have two linebackers running our our coaching staff, and linebackers far and away the worst position on the team is is absolutely maddening. I just Crazy. don't know what to say. And Holcomb, I mean, I, I think Holcomb's actually pretty good. And it's just like that, but that's it. That's it. That's literally it. And you're talking about dudes <laughs> a third or fourth round pick several years ago, and like you're putting all of this on him now. I have no third or fourth round pick at the end of the day. It's just where you enter the league, and it's what you do with it. But like. And, you know, obviously, Jamin Davis is a first round pick, so it's not like they have invested premium capital into that spot. What the fuck are we doing? Like, what is our ROI on any of this? If you rock a mullet as aggressively as Holcomb does, you better be good. He's great. Like, he's very, very good. And he's a ton of fun to watch. He makes plays, you know, um, but you can't put all your eggs in one basket. This is a guy who had Luke Keekley on his defense, and now we're trying to make shit with this. Yeah, I don't know. I don't say. I think he. Uh, I mean, hopefully, hopefully, all of us are wrong in Jamin, and like the light comes on, and he figures it out. And if that's the case, then you have two really good linebackers, and now we're we're cooking with some gas. But there's not even like there's even nothing to read between the lines that that's even a possibility. Not yeah. even like on the precipice. It's even a possibility. Like the light switch is off and we need to call the power company right now to get it reinstated. That's where we are with him. And again, I want to give him the benefit of the doubt. I, I'm trying to look at this long-term continuum. It may tell you till year four before it turns on for him. It's just frustrating given like if he, if we had Luke Keekley and Thomas Davis in their prime and Jamin Davis was guy number three, take all the time you need, but we don't. We need him now. And, and the most Redskin thing possible, the light's going to come on. Year four, about game 12. Right. We haven't picked up his fifth. We haven't picked up his fifth round option. He's going to hit free agency, sign some prove a deal, and just explode. Yep. Because <laughs> that's how things work when we're rooting for this team. Uh, anything else on the linebacker spot? Because I don't want to talk no, about it anymore. There's nothing there. Like, there, there's just. I don't even want to go through whether let's talk about something exciting, like the fact that Montez Sweat's gonna have a huge year and he's gonna get paid. Uh not to be that guy, but that's exactly what everybody said before the last season started. And then 
and I'm going to still be that guy. And I'll tell you why. Last year, we've had a lot of hard years as Redskins fans. Mm-hmm. <laughs> For a lot of various reasons. Also, the fact that Dan Snyder showed up today at this Maryland uh, gambling, uh, thing. Thing, gambling yeah. thing, but didn't get on camera so he couldn't be subpoenaed, is just wonderful. Just an all-time devil move. Uh, uh, I fucking hate that guy. Uh, but here's here's the deal. Last year was even. Last year was an outlier year, even for our fans. We started slow. We made it a quarter and a half of the starting quarterback. We we essentially had to play the whole season with a backup quarterback who was taking college courses at Old Dominion and was out of the NFL. That's step one. Step two, we finally get ourselves on solid footing. We get better and better and better and better. And then there's a COVID outbreak. Yep. And the whole team basically Om- sucked after. Omicron really wrecked everything. I think it wrecked Heineke. I really think it wrecked Heineke. Uh, like he was not the same quarterback afterwards. I that Dallas game was a disaster. Uh, and I'm bringing this all up because of sweat. So you have like basically no offense for a little while. Uh, he was okay, not great, but okay because the, they were freelancing a bunch as, as a D-line. He had a really good game against the Eagles and then COVID hit. And the whole team get wiped out. Then his brother died. How about that? So Sweat had a horrible year. On not on the field, he had a less than Sweat season, sure. But like off the field, that dude had problems at the lawsuit. Because not, not to mention, not to mention the Deshaun Everett stuff happened with Jamin Davis right behind him in a car. Like sure. the whole team was just like, like everything that disastrous could happen. I forgot about that too. Basically, basically it happened, and it all happened within kind of a finite window. Yep. Um, it was that shit comes in threes types of scenario. Yeah, and it was just like boom, boom, boom. And next thing you know, we went from like, oh, we're doing it to oh the shit, we have, to play four, we have to play four straight conference games. And by the way, Dallas absolutely steamrolled us. Who we started and Garrett Gilbert? Did we start Garrett Gilbert at quarterback one game? Do we remember that? We started him against the Eagles. Yep. Like we probably, be, honest to God, we probably win that game if Heineke doesn't get COVID. Now, Heineke comes back the next game against Dallas. We lose like annihilated 200, 200 annihilated. to zero. One of uh, that was like that was as bad as anything we'd seen in years. I mean, that was as bad. That was the worst game since the Eagles Monday night game, which comes with the the Dallas game. I believe was also on Monday night. Uh, but the then we play the Eagles again. Heineke was still awful. Heineke was awful in that game. Uh, we lost. And then we beat the Giants because they were QB sneaking on third and 10 from like four. Uh, my point is, is like Sweat had so much going on, he was never going to be successful. Uh, and I think this year, having played without Chase for a long time and knowing that Chase isn't going to play right away, he needs to kind of carry the defense. I really think Sweat's going to just explode. I hope so, considering he's they're going to roll whatever the equivalent of double team co- double team on him is going to be, because you got James Smith Williams slash Shaka Tony slash William Bradley King slash whoever makes the team as the opposite defensive end. It'll Meaning, be it'll be Smith Williams starting, or two more likely it's be Smith Williams starting. But I guess I, I, yeah, I guess it's Smith Williams. And to that point, since you brought his name up, uh, for anyone who's thinking otherwise, if you really read between the lines, and there are ample breadcrumbs for this, like. We're not seeing Chase Young until October. 
and that's not we, a shade. Dude, that's we not, might we might not we might not see him until November. I mean, he's like. I would not be surprised. Out for a while. I would not be surprised. And that's not shaded him. That's what happens when you tear your ACL in October. Right. Like it's. He also had injury. He had surgery on both knees. Right. And I think so it was like a, his knees, his knees are cached. And the ligament situation was a little more dire as well. So, you know, I don't wish it. And I don't hope, I sincerely hope it doesn't happen. But if they shut him down and he never makes on the season, like on the field this season, if he does not make it at all in 2022, I'm not sure that's a bad thing to allow him to kind of fully recover and just get the prime version of him with a full no, season. Rest. It's the right, I mean, it's the right thing to do. We still have him for three more years. Exactly. I, I would not be terribly disappointed with that position. I would be disappointed from a football standpoint, but I think from a long-term standpoint in terms of like him being a better player, I think it would more than likely be the right decision. I mean, time will tell, you know, right now they're calling it, you know, a few games, but a few, whoever the hell, who knows what that means, which means the onus then obviously falls onto the same guys that did last year, which was Jonathan Allen, who was an absolute monster last year, and Deron Payne, who's been another extremely buzzing player. Payne knows he's playing for a contract. He does. He And, and it's funny. Um, so building on something you said earlier, for those of you who are listening to this and who don't already Listen to John Kimes podcast and Linda, listen to Ben Standig's podcast. They're the best. They're great. Content's awesome. I listen to it all, as much as I possibly can to both of them. And they've both said they're like, uh, I think it was Kime who said it. And he's like, look, everyone assumes after the whole shit went down on Monday night and some of the other stuff that like that pain is out the door. And they're like, he may very well have one foot out the door. But if he has a big season and if they can, get paid. if they can somehow figure it out, they want to bring him back. It's not like they're pushing him out the door. The Federian Mathis drafting was obviously a hedge. It's very obvious that that was a hedge against, you know, uh, against pain leaving. But if there is a, even a, a cracked door open to where they can bring him back and re-sign him and somehow make all of these cap contracts work, they want to. I don't the, the Rams can do it. Every team can do it. You just got to get creative. That's exactly the point. I mean, you know, that's we're just looking at the salary cap being funny money. As also, also in a, in, a, in a good world, Wentz comes in and balls out. That's like obviously the most ideal world. $28 million for a starting quarterback in the NFL ain't that bad. It's not. not my point. Hard. My point is you can pay other players. So I think where you said it already, but I think Payne comes in and plays you know, the old NBA co- contract year joke. I think he has a contract year and I think he wrecks shit and combined with Mathis, potentially to your point about the five, two, four type of alignment, where it's they, smack in the middle, just let him eat space. And you put Allen and Payne one-on-one over a guard. Yeah. You're going to win a lot. Yeah. You're going to win a lot. So I don't think it's any secret for the, our listeners, but like all four of you, Payne, Payne is like my favorite player on the roster. I love Deron Payne. I have since the moment we drafted him. I think he's, I think, you know, the, the thing the kids are all saying right now is he's got dog in him. The dude's got, he's an animal. Uh, and I think he plays his ass off. I think he's incredibly good. Uh, you know, the dust up with him and Allen last year, I think that, I think that got, I mean, it happened on national television, so everyone knew about it. But like, that's two f- super competitive dudes and we're getting our ass handed to us of course something's gonna happen and it just happened to be with two guys that know each other quite well because they and they've been together for 
six, seven, eight years now, if you go back to Bama. And so I think I think what's going to happen is I think Payne's going to have a monster year. Now, what does that mean? I don't know. He plays a position that doesn't say like, oh, he had 10 sacks. Like if he shows up with six, seven sacks this year, like that's a, a big a huge year for a defensive tackle. Uh, like Allen had nine or 10 last year. Uh, that's a big number for a defensive tackle. Those are all pro numbers. Uh, those are all pro numbers. Uh, so I don't know if he quite gets to that, but like Payne has always been kind of an unsung guy in our defense in the sense that everyone knows him because he's a first-round pick. But if he wasn't a first-round pick, no one would know who he was. He just does dirty work. He takes on double teams. He frees up people. That's just what he does. And he eats people. He literally, literally eats people. Having watched, for those who play the drinking game, I'm going to talk about Alabama again. Having watched Alabama extensively for however many years it is now, um, Roll time. It, it's Jonathan Allen, Quinn and Williams, and Deron Payne are the three best linemen I watched over there. When Payne was at Alabama, he was a home wreck shit. Yeah, he was shit. absolute home wrecker. It was, I can't remember, I think it's my wife. No, she wasn't at the game. Uh, it was the Sugar Bowl or whatever the national championship was against against um, Georgia, where Tua threw the touchdown to Devontae Smith in overtime. That you're you're a Bama fan. I'm I'm just I'm just trying. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I have Stockholm syndrome with them right now. I mean, I would have Stockholm syndrome too if they won natties every year. My wife was from Bama. You kidding me? I don't like Bryce Young. I'm going to say it right now. Their quarterback oh, is really? supposed to be a top Everyone three loves pick. him. I don't like him. I just don't see it. I do not see it. I don't Tell understand. Fall, he's five foot ten. Fall number thirty-one. We'll take. Him. He's five ten. He doesn't have an amazing. He doesn't have an elite arm strength. He's not an elite athlete. And they ran a clogged toilet offense because Bill O'Brien is a Neanderthal. Where am Bill I supposed? O'Brien. To? Bill, Bill O'Brien's O'Brien. Their offensive he's your offensive coordinator. He is a certified Neanderthal. Uh, oh, why why are we talking about him as a top five pick i don't get it i just don't get it i don't think either of the dudes are supposed to be the top five picks like the two consensus quarterbacks cj stroud from ohio state and and bryce young and i'm like i don't see it like are you trying to compare these guys to like what we saw with like justin fields trevor lawrence trey lance like they should they can't hold their water i mean like i guess they might be pushed up because like by function of demand but like no i no just no they're not so Anyway, that's my take on that. Uh, Payne, whatever that national championship game was, I remember I said this a hundred times that it was they're playing Georgia and Sony Michelle, and I don't know what the fuck happened to Sony Michelle because the Sony Michelle we saw at Georgia is not the Sony Michelle we're seeing in the NFL. The guy at Georgia was a monster, and the guy in the NFL is three and a half yards in the cloud. Who does Sony Michelle play for? Patriots? Uh, he just oh, signed with he just signed tra- with Miami this offseason. Was he traded last year at one point? He was traded Rams to the Rams. Rams. He had a cup of coffee on the Rams. I think he got a ring with the Rams. Yeah, good for him. And then he get traded to. signed with Miami this offseason. So he's in that Miami hodgepodge of running backs speaking over there. Of, speaking of dumpy Alabama quarterbacks. Yeah, Tua was, in, Tua, Tua was great at Alabama. But I'm going to save the conversation about quarterbacks for another day. Um Point being is if Allen and Payne can, I don't need them to rack up 15 sacks between the two of them. I don't, that's not their job. I mean, I, I, I mean, I do. That'd be awesome. Just stop the run and collapse the pocket, right? And make life easier for everybody else and cover up for our linebackers. That's what they got to do. And they're very capable I'm, of doing it. Uh, I will say that the depth at the position is a significant concern as well across the entire defensive line, frankly. 
Yeah, I think death is a concern, but I don't think it's that big a concern. I think, and I say I say that because last year when Young and Sweat were out, the line actually played pretty well because we had Matthew uh, Ioannidis and and Tim Settle, and they were great. Yeah, they were. Don't get me wrong, but like now we have Mathis, uh, Smith, Williams, Tuhill. They they have reps. I mean, I like. Sure. Do we have Settle in nines? No. Why don't we have them? Because Sam Mills was still the coach. Uh, now he's now he's not no, he's the not. coach as of about twenty four hours ago. Uh, uh, I'm not concerned about the depth. I think I think you could look at any position on the team and say, oh shit, there's depth problems. But like with Two Hill, Mathis, Smith, Williams, Shaka Tony, William Bradley King's in there. Uh, that David Bada guy flashes every every now and then. Um, is there a steep drop off? Yeah, but like Payne Allen could be both all pros. Sweat's a stud. Young's a freak. Like their drop offs just because the talent up front is so amazing. I'm spoiled um, because Settle and Ionitis were so good last year, and they were our third and fourth defensive tackles. And you know that gave you such a Settle went to Buffalo. Buffalo got a big. We knew Settle was walking because like they yeah, did he was gonna walk the whole time. Ionitis is the one I, I won't forgive them for. I, well, I he was the one I hated. He hated Sam Mills. Was that the case? I didn't catch that. Yeah, he openly talked about it last year when he left. Remember, there was a kind of a weird spat between his agent and our team? Yep. Uh, one of the reasonings he left, apparently, was he didn't agree with uh, – he didn't like the defensive line coach, which I didn't know this at the time. I, I mean, I had read it, but I, you know, it was kind of in one ear, out the other. But there were actually were a lot of reporting done earlier in the year about the defensive line not getting along with Sam Mills. And I guess I had just either forgotten about it or like paid little attention to it because we got the training camp and he was still here. And I was like, all right, whatever. Uh, I think it just got washed in all the other news, but I think you're hundred percent right. But like firing a coach as prominent as a defense line coach two weeks in the training camp is a big deal. And not only that Mills has been with Ron since like 2010 or 2011 or whatever. It is. First coach he's fired since he's been here. Yeah. And he's one of his dudes. Like that, that is one of his guys. It's interesting. Surprise. I want to know why. Because uh, something clearly had to happen. Uh, I know Ron will say, oh, it's different in, you know, difference in opinion or like, you know, whatever. I you think don't fire someone with difference in opinion. Something happened. I think there was a point where somebody, there was going to be a mutiny. It had to be. Where like yeah. the like, like the like sweat went, sweat must have walked or Alan must have walked into his room and been like yeah this guy sucks yeah there there something had to happen some pot had to have been at the cusp of boiling over um I don't know but I agree with you that it's not just all of a sudden he woke up one day decided he was going to fire one of his coaches considering he hasn't done that since he's been here he's never in his entire coaching career he's never fired someone once uh, training camp started it's the first time um, speaking of firings or coaches who could or should be fired. Um, and you alluded to this earlier, so I'm going to build off all of that. Talking about, um, you're talking about old Dust Up Rio? I'm talking about, Jack, I'm talking about Maga Del Rio. Um, <laughs> just a little dust up. So just a little dust up. <sighs> okay. Political leanings notwithstanding. This is not about <laughs> politics. At least not for this conversation. Um. I think one of the things that you have to look at in terms of any defensive coordinator overseeing any unit, however talented they may or may not be in 2020, this defense finished, 
I think it was number three in DVOA. For all intents and purposes, we believe that the defense was supposed to have gotten better in the offseason. I know the level of competition escalated extremely. We went from number three in DVOA to number 27 in DVOA. We spent the first half of the season not knowing in which direction we were going to get bombed. We There's the extensive discussion about the defensive line just doing freelance shit, for lack of a better term. Our linebackers are god-awful. At some level, this has to come back on him. On top of all of this, like there is, I've read a bunch of different people say this, that they're like, look, Del Rio's one of those guys where he's just going to run the most basic defense over and over and over again. And if you're really looking at him to innovate, to adjust, or to basically do something that's not in his repertoire, you need to keep looking because that's not him. Now, I know there is this entire school of thought among defensive coordinators where you don't need to be super duper exotic fancy. And it's much more about just if you can give them three or four responsibilities, you allow them to just be more instinctual and do that. Tony Dungy and Monty Kiffin made an entire career of that on the Tampa too. They're like, do one thing. You have one responsibility. I don't want you thinking on the football field. I want you going and killing the man with the ball and just do your one responsibility better than anybody else and just do it a thousand times over and over again, right? But I've also heard plenty of people talk about Del Rio being just a vanilla-ass offensive coordinator in a league that's increasingly innovative. So that's my initial thought there. I'll go further later on. I think Del Rio started blitzing more last year towards the latter half of the year, and we had some more success. But we were very vanilla early on, for sure. A lot of four-man rushes that just never got home. I think we had like a historically terrible third down defense last year. Oh, it was awful. It, it was so bad. I like truly think our defense will be better because I don't think it's possible to be that bad again. The only times uh, we get off the field is when we didn't actually have a third down. Like we'd yeah. force a turnover or yeah, that's basically about it. Or like the defense would score yeah. on, or the offense would score on second down and uh, spare us the pity, uh, spare us the, uh, the misery of third down. I don't think it is. Well, we can call it fair because the NFL and it, NFL is a bottom line business. But I don't think that, and I got suckered into this. I thought we were going to be a top ten defense last year. Like I thought we were going to have. I thought it was going to carry us to the playoffs. The whole thing. Uh, having said that, 2020, 2020, we played. I mean, everything broke our way. What quarterback do we play that was remotely good in 2020? Uh, we played Nick Mullins in San Francisco. We played freaking uh, over the hill Ben Roethlisberger, whoever Dallas over the hill Roethlisberger, Hodgepodge quarterback. We played multiple or, Dallas quarterbacks that were terrible. Yeah, uh, I feel scared saying this out loud, but like week one we played Wentz, but Wentz played. If you remember that week one game with probably five backups on his defensive line or on his offensive line, and we just ran shit because they were all terrible. Um, and then Jalen Hurts in the second time we played him in the in Jalen Hurts and he got pinched and because they wanted the and they wanted the pick in the quick game. Uh, we lost twice, but we got two Danny Dimes games. Um, you know, my point is, is like the quarterbacks we played that year were just freaking bad. Over the Roethlisberger. Wait, I I don't I actually am excited about Wentz just because I think he'll be the best quarterback we've had in a while. This make that doesn't mean he's going to be great for the record. I just think he'll be better than what we're used to. That makes one of us uh, excited about Wentz. Right. Well, hey, it's it's August 10th. Don't get pessimistic yet. Uh, point being is that that 2020 year when we made the run, like 
we made the run because we the schedule broke our way. We played dumpy ass quarterbacks, and we played our quarterback with one leg. Didn't turn the ball over. So basically, we just kind of milked the clock and finally won. 2021, you name a premier quarterback. We played him. We played him. We played him. Yep. <laughs> and we opened the year with Herbert. And, who you know, so he was an absolute stud. And then every week from there on out, it was like boom, Mahomes, boom, boom, Rogers, boom. Brady. I mean, it's like it's just the who's. We got them all. Right. We got Russell who's Wilson. We got, I mean, fucking, I mean, we played Dak. We played, it, it's, it's, Everybody. We played freaking uh, what's his name in Buffalo. Um, Josh Allen tore us a new we one. Josh Allen, yeah. Portland, right? The worst quarterback we played was probably Matt Ryan, and he's pretty damn good. Yeah. You know. Uh, so like, the reason I bring that up is like, our, did our defense underperform? Yes, like big time. At the same time, I just don't think there's that's it's more apples to oranges to me with them because of just the sheer amount of record. I think this year with with a with a um, two things. One, our schedule in general is way more comfortable, at least on paper, more comfortable than it was a year ago. Yeah. We played a first, we played a first place schedule last year and we got burned because of it. Uh, this year it's more manageable. And two, there's the variable in the NFL. We have no idea who's going to be quarterback when we play starting like week four. Yep. Uh, you know, <laughs> hell, our quarterback didn't make it out of the second quarter last year. Uh, so I expect the defense to be better as a whole. I think Del Rio, I think the firing of, of Mills recently was a little bit of like a, we got to get our shit together and get this defense going kind of move. I think that's what it stemmed from. Um, and, you know, politics aside, Del Rio does have a good track record. I know he's can be vanilla, but like his, when he is in charge, the teams have generally been okay. Uh, so I'm going to choose to believe we're better. Now, I don't think we're going to be top 10. Not without Chase coming back till October, maybe November. And we do need badly to stay healthy. Uh, that I was the big thing thing about 2020, which a lot of people don't talk about. We were really healthy. That our, I mean, our was, secondary was played the whole year. Yeah. It was a really healthy group, generally speaking. Um, so I think we'll be middle of the pack. Um, the keys to the defense to me are I think Sweat needs to just become a homewrecker. I think it's time Sweat. I think it's time Sweat says, you're going to either pay me top of the line money or I'm walking. Yeah. A leave uh, from him, I think. A leave from him in a healthy secondary, I think we'll be okay. The, right, the linebackers, linebackers going to suck no matter what. Kane <laughs> continuing. And to your point about linebacker, I'm hoping Holcomb proves me wrong and that he adapts and is just uh, as passable as a mic. That's all we need. Yeah. Just – average so we can keep david may off the field as long as possible right yeah i think your point health is in secondary is fine is, is is the biggest one uh final point on del rio if the season goes sideways and not sideways like five and twelve uh but if the season goes like seven and ten again right and we miss the playoffs or something like that i He's think gone. Uh, I think Del Rio has gone. And I think, you know, how Absolutely. a coach basically like starts firing his assistants when he's on the hot seat. I think Del Rio becomes the first one to go. And I think that's yeah, where the game happens. I think, I think Ron loves Scott Turner. I kind of like Scott Turner myself. So, yeah, I mean, I like Scott too. I'm just saying like, if he's picking between the two, yeah. yes. he's going to pick Keeping up, the, he's going to pick the guy that has to openly apologize to the press and 
also, I think Scott's this guy. To use your uh, Scott part. also came from Carolina. Uh, Del Rio's on strike two right now, or in a full count <laughs> at the plate, right? Uh, uh, it might be O two then. He, he's not yeah. working with a lot of wiggle room. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. So, uh, you know, he exactly he he doesn't have many um, other uh, Maga Jack. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the offense is going to be a fun conversation because there's a lot, a lot to unpack there. So we'll call it here oh, for the defense. Yes, it's going to be great. So probably going to schedule some more time for that one because that's there's so much of that. My notes for that are it's already way too many. Uh, thank you, everyone's made it so far. Um, super excited to do part two. Make sure you catch us for that. We're going to drop it sometime next week. Um, and try to pump out some content if life doesn't get in the way. But thank you so much, and we will talk to you all later. Thank you for listening to the Hail to the District podcast. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes or wherever you download your podcasts.